0: Everybody, this week's episode of the Fade Route with DNZ. I am ZN. We got a great show for you. We're breaking down the MLB trade deadline, dissecting the Deshaun Watson drama, and Dan Butler's joining us to talk Yankee trades and a little bit of giant football. But we begin on a somber note with the passing of broadcasting legend and icon Vin Scully. The renowned Dodger Broadcaster died Tuesday. At the age of 94, Uh, he died at his home in Hidden Hills, California. And what more can you say about Vin Scully other than he was the voice of a sport? He was the voice of a generation. He was the voice behind so many iconic moments from the Bill Buckner play, Don Larson's perfect game in the World Series, Kirk Gibson's home run, He was the broadcaster that every single broadcaster aspired to be. Born and raised in the Bronx, graduated from Fordham University, and then stepped into the Dodger broadcast booth not long after that. He was recruited out of college by Red Barber. So if you can get recruited by Red Barber, who is a legend in his own right, and then carry broadcasting for over 60 years a lot of times doing it without a play-by-play without a color man like Vince Scully was the guy because he could so effortlessly weave a yarn while integrating it into the broadcast Uh, you know it was and it was as seamless as having a conversation with your friend while having a beer, you know, at a bar, just casually talking—that was Vince Scully's style, and he did it with humor, and he did it with class, and he brought he brought baseball from where it was with the you know the Red Barbers and the Russ Hodgeses, very very buttoned up. He brought it down a little bit to something a little bit more accessible for the casual fan, and he's often imitated never duplicated and broadcasting lost a great man the Dodger organization they lost a great man Fordham University has lost a great man the Bronx lost a great man Vince Scully rest in peace sir and here he is I've known this guy since our days on carousel shoes flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history what's up D how's it going man
1: yeah, I mean, you think about the all-timers and the, the, the things that that guy got to see with his eyes live, right? I mean, the history that took place. And the best part about him was, you know, you listened to him calling the game and it was like you were sitting next to a friend, right? Yeah. It wasn't just about what was going on in the field. It was about how beautiful the weather was, what are you doing this weekend, uh, talking about, um, you know, whatever food they might be eating, and it was just such a casual, welcoming. It was like it was like watching the game with your friend, and I think that was the best part of you know him as uh, a broadcaster for the Dodgers and for baseball. I mean, huge chunk of baseball history, and that's what makes baseball so such a great sport. There's just so much history behind it, and there's so many people involved that are special. And he was just a special guy and a special voice. I mean, I never. I never got to meet him or talk to him, but I remember his voice was in a couple of baseball games, and it made that uh, baseball video games, and it was so much fun to hear that voice, because as a person on the East Coast, you never really got to hear his voice, unless you were, unless the Yankees were playing the Dodgers, or unless, you know, there was some kind of special event going on, but it would truly be missed, um... And you know, right up there with all the all the greats of like Harry Carey and um, you know our own Bob Shepard.
0: Absolutely, you know that Heaven has one hell of a of a, a broadcasting team. So like they, you know, if you really envision it, it's it's fantastic to think. And you know, he spent his time in Brooklyn, and the first game he got to broadcast, Jackie Robinson was the cleanup hitter. And nuts. yeah, and you fast forward to. You know, in 2009, 2010, you know, you're broadcasting, you're you throwing out names like Yasiel Puig and you've got to announce Piazza and Karros and, you know, legends, Fernando Valens, Wela, you name it. You Colfax. name it. Colfax. Colfax, Drysdale. Vince Scully is the thread that ties them all together. He is the thread that is Dodgers history. And with Dodger history, because it is one of the storied franchises, you're in, you're entwining baseball history. You know he's as much a historian as he was a broadcaster. And yeah. you know that's yeah.
1: baseball lost a legend, and then the NBA also lost a legend. Uh, we had the passing of Bill Russell who died at the age of 88 on Monday probably the biggest winner in NBA in sports history, capturing 11 NBA titles. How do you remember Bill Russell?
0: Well, I mean, neither one of us saw him play, so when you're looking Well, not at, live. Well, we've, we've, not. Seen we've, we've seen video, but Footage, we, did, yeah. we didn't get a chance. You didn't get a chance to see his actual, like, impact. You didn't yeah, get Yeah, we didn't, to li- feel we didn't
1: live in the moment.
0: No, we did not live in the moment. But, I mean his resume speaks for itself you know hall of famer 11-time nba champion a 12-time all-star five-time mvp an 11-time all-nba player like i mentioned he's on the nba 75th anniversary team you know and that's not even taking into account his college years at the university of san francisco he was a player coach and he was a champion as a player coach but you know he did as much off the court as he did on the court and you know he marched with martin luther king He stood up for Muhammad Ali. He boycotted a game in Kentucky after his black teammates were refused service in a coffee shop. Like, he talked the talk. He walked the walk. And at the end of the day, he won. He was not just a winner on the court. He was a winner in life. And that's how I would like to, you know, that's how I want to remember the great Bill Russell and the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2011. I mean, that's just, that's just a cherry on top. That's just the validation of it all. But, He touched people's lives. What more can you say?
1: Just an incredible person, right? Uh, Kind of like the Vin Scully thing. Um, He's got to be on the – he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of Boston sports. and He's probably on the Mount Rushmore for the NBA too, right? Oh, totally. Um, The the issues he had to deal with as a a black man playing in Boston during that time – and still maintaining his production, and it's just, it's just so impressive. I mean, there'll be another Durant, there'll be another Kobe, there'll be another Jason Kidd. There's never going to be another Bill Russell.
0: No, he's there's never going to be another Bill Russell, and it falls in with guys like Will Chamberlain and Lou Cinder, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like these men laid the groundwork; they paved the road for guys like Kevin Durant. They paved the road for Michael Jordan. They paved the road for Kobe Bryant. So, without these men doing what they did, basketball would not be where it is today. You know? 11 mean,
1: titles. Yeah.
0: 11. It's the ultimate winner. But you really, I mean, he, you can't, <laughs> you you cannot discount the level of victory. And yes, I understand you know, Red Auerbach was cherry-picking players and yada, you know, but... You
1: still got to go out there and do you it. You got to
0: do it. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Like, you got to play the games. That, I, the championship's are not won on paper.
1: No. No. And he did it every day, in and out, and he was just the, he was the model player. I mean, just the model player, the model person, like you said. It wasn't just
0: on the court, it was off the court, too. And, and he had the attitude, too. I remember... I was watching a clip, and he was at um, he was at an award ceremony. He said, do want some you kick your ass, like, <laughs> like, plain and simple. Just a matter of fact, like we kick your ass." And just like okay, like you know, he he not only talked the talk, he walked the walk. But he he trash talked it too. So he you know he did not want for confidence. We'll put it that way. And Bill Russell is certainly an icon. He's he absolutely on. The Mount Rushmore of Boston Sports. And he's got to be in consideration for the Mount Rushmore NBA all time. I mean, yeah. I mean, just like I said,
1: there's just never going to be another guy like that. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto really care about what's under your hood. But, you know, in other news, the MLB trade deadline has passed, with the Dodgers, Yankees, Padres, and Astros making the most eye-popping acquisitions. Who got better, and who failed to make the most of the trade deadline, Z?
0: Well, let's start with who didn't make the most of it. I'm going to throw it out there for starters, because there are plenty of teams that didn't do The Rockies didn't make a trade.
1: The Rockies. Chris Bryant, back on the I.L. for the third time this year. Dude's got a bad back. Just shut him down.
0: It's a wrap. At this point, he's done. He's just done. a wrap, man. The, the Mets, number one, like they have, they, they definitely disappointed in terms of making a splash. Now, in terms of the rationale behind the move they made, it makes sense. They want to improve DH over Dom Smith and JD Davis. Done. Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelbach are better than both of those guys. Check. Um, They brought in in Michael Gibbons. He's already started giving stuff back today. So Michael (laughs) Gibbons, you know, not great. Not great at all. Uh, You know, their biggest acquisitions are going to be who comes off the I.L. But if you look specifically at the Darren Ruff trade, the Mets got Darren Ruff, 36 years old, crushes left-handed pitching. For J.D. Davis and three prospects, including Thomas Zapucky, who I think was number seven or eight in terms of their uh, top ten prospects. If you told me that you were going to do rough for J.D. Davis straight up, Okay, like that, like that makes a little bit of sense. They're the same player. J.D. Davis is just a little bit younger, but Darren Ruff, I don't believe. I, I believe it was an overpay by Billy Epler. It was a, it was a severe overpay, and you know, they probably could. They, they he got got Now, as far as who did well, I like what the Mariners are doing. They're going. They are going for it. You know, they brought in depth with Kirk Casale. They brought in Matthew Boyd. So bet Matthew Boyd, you know, can be anything for them later in the year, like that is a bonus. They went and got Luis Castillo. He got the, you know, the big fish. They brought in, you know, Jake Lamb for a more more depth. So you definitely are under the impression that the Mariners are making a move. You know, they're definitely going to try and secure one of those wild card spots because I don't think they're going to be able to catch the Astros. I, I mean, the Astros shored up their team too. They flipped uh, Jake Odorizzi for Will Smith. They brought in Christian Vasquez. You know, some decent moves. Uh, Trey Mancini is, another one that's a great move. Like, good bat will give a much-needed injection of offense into that lineup. But we're, we're kind of skirting around here, right? Where We're just dancing around the periphery of Juan Soto and Josh Hader to the Padres. This is AJ Preller pushing his chips in the middle of the table and then taking your chips and pushing them into the middle of the table (laughs) for him as well. It's like, this is our year. We're going to do this. He's pulling a full West Sneed. He's pulling a full fuck them picks. He's going for it right now. And you admire his balls. I admire his balls. But eventually, this will all come due. He didn't have to worry about that because he probably won't be here. So, like, for him to get Josh Bell, Josh Hader, and Juan Soto, you know, that's kudos to him because that's uh, that's balling, and it's gonna definitely pay off in playoff time.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, the picks that he sent to the Nationals, the prospects. There's some really good players. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like just a bag of beans. Like these guys are going to be professional baseball players. Like it's not like, oh, maybe. No. No, no. They're going to be professional baseball players. Um yeah, I mean, the Padres are going for it. I mean, Soto was great, Bell was good, but to me, Josh Hader is the best acquisition at the trade deadline hands down because now you've got a guy who you can bring in to pitch to freddie freeman to pitch to mookie best to pitch to bellinger like this is what you brought this guy here for we have trouble closing out an inning or we get into trouble late in the game bring him in and shut people down because that's what this guy's done. That's what this guy does. And listen, Hater's not having the best year, but I'm sure in a new place, new new surrounding, he's gonna do well. Um, the the, Cub, the Cubs to me failed, man. They needed to deal Hap and Contreras. Contreras now is gonna walk next year at the end of this year for nothing, for nothing. You get nothing back from him. And Hap Hap's not gonna be this good next year. He's never gonna be as good again in his life. Like this is your, this was your opportunity to get some stuff, and you, you didn't get anything. So you just really locked down being bad for the next couple of years. Um, I, I kind of the Mets. The Mets didn't blow me away. I mean, I was just like, all right. Did you really address the issues though? I, I don't really think they did. And I, did you guys give yourselves a chance to compete with the new Padres? To with the Dodgers to the to compete with the Braves, I mean, these these are the teams that you're ultimately gonna have to beat down the line. And I'm not sure I'm not sure they made those the, the necessary moves to be to be better. But I understand li-
0: I understand where Billy Ethler's coming from because you're you're acquiring in air quotes you you activated Jacob Degrom, you activated Trevor May, you're bringing guys back from the IL. McGill is going to be back for depth. You can use him out of the pen, but like, you have guys, your best acquisitions and your cheapest acquisitions might be your own. So a full met complement with these guys yeah. might be able to compete. They, they No, should be I get able what you're I,
1: I get what you're saying, but the the problem I have is I mean, I'm a pessimist.
0: Like
1: <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. This is the last year that you're the Mets are going to have Scherzer and Degrom. Think about that. This is the last year that these two guys are going to be your one-two punch. So, really, you should be going all in with that in mind. And I don't think they are. I think they're thinking, "Oh yeah, we got this many years left on the Scherzer deal, and we got grom for this." No, no, no. Degrom heading for serious arm surgery next year. No oh, doubt Jesus in my mind. Christ. And Scherzer is getting older. Might have dead arm at the end of this year. Um, let's see what else I got. See now, I think, and and Butler might disagree with me later on. I think the I think the Yankees whiffed. I think they whiffed on Soto. Twenty years ago, the Yankees would have went and got Soto. The Yankees would have twenty years ago. The Yankees would have been the Padres getting Soto, getting a new first baseman, getting a middle reliever, getting a closer. To me, the Yankees are the team that should have got Hader. I know they went and got Scott E. Frost or whatever his name is from the Cubs. That's good. That's not Hader, right? I mean, they they got they got a guy, but they're they're the Yankees bullpen is in such a mess right now. You don't it's it's like roll roll the dice and who's coming in to close this game, close out this inning, shut play people down. You make that move for Hader, Hader's the guy. He can close, he can close out innings. You didn't do that. Soto Soto should be a Yankee he fits the Yankee profile and he'd be the Yankee t- center fielder for the next 10 years but no, they didn't go get him because they don't want to give up their Volpees, their Dominguez's and all those guys that they think is going to come up and be the future, I mean that's fine well, that's the way you want to go if you you want to go into the postseason batting LeMayu Judge, Stan and Rizzo you want to go into the postseason like that go for it but they did make good – they did go get, uh, what, Harrison, Boehner. They got the guy from the – Bader from the Cardinals. I, I do like that move. He's a good center fielder, and he's a good defensive guy. He's a local kid too, so those guys always shine. But then what is Aaron Hicks supposed to do? What are you paying Aaron Hicks for? Is he going to go DH? What, what Like, you know, so it's – whatever. But every, everyone seems impressed with the Yankees did. I mean – but I, I'm not impressed. I think – and like Trevino, what's Trevino going to do? He's having a terrible year, a terrible year. You're going to bring him to the Bronx to pitch? Who's he pitching to? What spot is he coming up in? Do you know? Because I sure as hell don't know.
0: Well, I think that he's going to be 7th, 8th, somewhere in there. He's not going to be... Good Lord. Yeah, he's <laughs> not going to be a higher... He's not going gonna to be a moderate leverage. He's not going to be your closer like he was. So he's
1: pitching to Vlad G. He's pitching to those boys up in toronto in a big spot
0: well i mean he's as good of a cha- a choice as any because look at chapman chapman has not been there this year he's not been where he needed to be at all clay holmes he's starting to come down to earth they, yep. they miss michael king the yankees yep. miss michael yeah. king something awful yeah. and chad green too the problem is that chad green's not gonna be around for a done, long time because so. of the yeah. tommy john now you're gonna right. maybe Zach Britton gets back by September. We'll see. But Wandy Peralta, pfft, you're looking at a lot of guys in that pen. Albert Abreu. If I see Albert Abreu one more time, I swear to you. I, I like
1: Nestor Cortez. I think. He, I mean, some people say he's spooky. I actually just think he's having a really good year. I think he's good. I think he's gonna be good. But look at your boy. Look at your boy Cole giving up six six runs in the first
0: inning today. Giving up bombs. Oh, to,
1: get to Seattle.
0: Yeah, well, you know, this is exactly... He gave one up to Kelnick. That's all you need to know. Jared Kelnick gave 126. I'm, all, I'm t-
1: all, all I'm trying to say is, like, you got Kirchin and all these people worshiping all the moves the Yankees made. And I get it. They filled the spots they need to fill. 100% agree. But you can't look at what they did and look at what everybody else did and say, yeah. They're in a good spot.
0: You I would. Can't. I would give the Yankees a solid B for what they were able to do. The guys they brought in. Solid B. Because no, see all... I
1: but see, I disagree. I would give them an A for what they did because they filled the spots they need to fill. But compared to the teams that they need to beat, they didn't do that well. Like you're the Dodgers are gonna scrape them if they play them in the World Series. The Padres with that lineup, assuming Tatis Jr. comes back and can play crush that bullpen. will fucking destroy the Yankee bullpen. And we, I'm, I'm giving them a, a pass saying they get to the World Series. How about what the Astros did when getting Trey Mancini? And then they go and get... They go... They pull the Billy Bean and say, hey, I don't want Christian Vasquez to play against me tonight. Send them over.
0: Right. So, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, I... I like what the Yankees have done. I'm not totally in love with it. The same way I like... I, I'm not totally in love with what the Padres did. I think that, I mean, I understand you're going all in. I lo- You're all in. I, I, love, the, all in. I, I love the ballsiness. I, I absolutely love the ballsiness, but I just don't think they're, I, I still don't think they're good enough, believe it or not. Because. No,
1: I could see, I can see, I can agree with you on that because they're going to have to beat the Dodgers, and I don't know if they can. And the Even Dodgers. Even with the move.
0: The Dodgers tripped up too because their biggest acquisition was Joey Fucking Gallo.
1: I don't know what that's about. Obviously, somebody's getting a hand to job to... under the table on that one. I don't know what that's about.
0: <laughs> oh my god! I'm don't Fre- always taking
1: that trash. Friedman
0: did Cashman a favor on that one, but like Had that to, one, right? that one scratch a head scratcher. Noah Syndergaard to the Phillies was a head scratcher. Yeah,
1: I don't get that either.
0: I mean, it's not like Noah Syndergaard is going to, you know, do well. I like
1: the Braves. I like what the Braves did. They locked up their third baseman for the future. Uh, how yeah, about
0: I, Eric Hosmer almost wrecking the entire Juan Soto train? Like, yeah. That's I'm not
1: going there. I'm not fucking playing there. <laughs> I'm, dude,
0: I'm not doing playing
1: there. You send me I'm the Boston Red
0: Sox. Send me the now.
1: Red Sox. I'm not playing there.
0: Uh, <laughs> I can see how he's
1: pissed off, right? He goes... He, I can see how he's pissed off. But... The Braves went and got a closer because Jensen's probably is not coming back. I'm assuming. Yeah. I, I like what the Braves did. You know, we're just we got to just beat them. We just got to win. We got to stay within our division. And you look across the, we look up in the standing, you see the Mets, they're like, oh no, they 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 didn't do enough.
0: And what about the Twins? Let's let's touch on the Twins for a second here. Yep, they brought in the closer Lopez. From the Orioles. They brought in Tyler Maley. They brought in Michael Fulmer. Like the Twins, like we had little to no hopes. And we're, you know, I'm putting that lightly. You know, I, I'm definitely downplaying that soft pedaling a little bit. But the Minnesota Twins, they're making a go of this. And they're definitely, I, I think they made themselves a lot better. The Guardians didn't do anything. The White Sox didn't do anything of note. I mean, the Royals. I mean, the, the Royals are in, you know, second to last place anyway, and they traded Whit Merrifield to the Blue Jays. The problem is that Whit Merrifield can't play in Toronto because he's unvaccinated. <laughs> whoops! Uh, how about that one? So you know, this plus they got Sandy Leone for depth for uh, for catcher. Uh, the Twins, with these moves, I think they're running away with that division now.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh... We'll see how the next couple of weeks play out, but um, I think I think everybody, I think everybody's jumping on the Yankees too much.
0: We love youth sports. Not only do they get the kids out and active, but they promote teamwork, sportsmanship, friendship, and fair play. One of the Fade Route's favorite youth sport partners is Asning AYSO Soccer. Their mission is to develop and deliver quality, player-centered youth soccer programs that promote a fun, fair family environment where everyone is welcome and everyone plays. If you have a child between ages 4 and 18, registration for Fall 2022, Spring 2023 season is open. To sign up or to volunteer as a coach or referee, go to ayso201.org today. The more volunteers, the more children can enjoy the AYSO soccer experience. Go to ayso 201 Dot .org today for more information or to sign up. ayso201.org more soccer for more kids.
1: What we move on to football. Retired federal judge Sue Robinson made her ruling yesterday in the Sean Watson case. To the surprise of most, Watson was only suspended for 6 games. The news was met with jubilation at Brown's training camp and silent head shaking in almost every other arena. Arbitrators are not supposed to rule based or are supposed to rule based on, on the evidence provided. How did you feel about the ruling and what happens now?
0: Not nearly strong enough. I am on record. He should have been fined last year's salary should have been suspended for this year without pay and should have gone from there. And that's putting it light. All you're doing is reinforcing the problem that the NFL has with female fans, how it treats women. And, you know, you are saying that because it is quote-unquote non-violent, that somehow it's, you know, not as it doesn't meet the standard of some of the other previous suspensions and precedents. You know, tell that to the massage therapists who were forced upon that it was nonviolent, Having, you know, having somebody's penis rubbed on them or, you know, being solicited for a happy ending or being solicited for some of the other... Some of the other acts that Mr. Watson was asking for, and then in some instances demanding, you know, that is vile. It is absolutely vile, and seeing the reaction of the fans too, like, you know, it was it was disgusting to me to see that. Yeah, Deshaun. Now we're gonna get him go to the Super Bowl. I'm like, dude, no, that's disgusting. That is absolutely, I was, I was ashamed to be a human being at that point. I was ashamed to be a football fan. And, you know, the NFL has a major problem with women and they need to fix it because, you know, at the end of the day, it's about inclusion. It is all about inclusion. And you taking this, You know, you taking this stance as the arbiter—it's just—it's just just not right. And I'm glad Roger Goodell is appealing. The NFL is appealing, and hopefully, they get closer to the—they're going to get closer to an actual resolution to this. But at first blush, like complete limp-wristed and horrible job on her part.
1: Yeah, so I I got two different takes on this. I mean, initially, I was like kind of like what you said. I was kind of, you know, couldn't believe it. I thought it was too light, and you know, then there's a part of me that's like, gotta trust the process, right? I mean, this is a retired judge. I mean, she's looking at all She's a woman too. She's taking into account all the information and and this is what she's come up with it's like if we're not going to respect the process then what's the point of the process and granted i want i would i think he should be suspended longer too and for more games i mean they're pretty much equating his predatory behavior with deflating a football i mean that's a little ridiculous right Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like i gotta respect I, i gotta respect this judge i gotta respect this ruling now the nfl's already come out and said they're they're appealing for more games and that's fine. They should. I, to me, it's like you got to make sure people understand that this was wrong. But then again, it's not like she came out and said four or three or none. I mean, this is after her reviewing all the testimony, seeing both sides of the coin. She's seeing this man leveraged his position as a NFL player onto women. And, you know, she felt six games suffice. And the other thing I think about is this man also didn't play all of last year, right? It's not like he played last year. I'm not sticking up for the guy. I'm just trying to say I, I respect the judge's ruling. And, the, and I'm respecting the process because now the NFL is appealing it. And if he gets more games added on, I'd be happier.
0: I just find that it was an incomplete picture being painted by the NFL in its in its prosecution, right? If we're going to treat this as like a plaintiff versus defendant type thing, you know, they presented their case to the arbiter. And, frankly, it was an incomplete case. Only four, only four of the women's testimony was allowed. As opposed to the 24 allegations that were made. So you're already seeing an incomplete picture. And... Yeah. In the court of public opinion, and he's he is Watson is absolutely guilty of this. Now, based on multiple articles, multiple pieces of evidence, some anecdotal, some concrete, it's you know, it's unseemly and it all needs to be on the table. It can't be cherry picked in order to, you know, sh- in order to determine, you know, what is suitable, what is not. That's her job. That is Judge Robinson's job, is to go through everything with a fine tooth comb and determine what is germane, what is not, what is damning evidence, what is not, and then go appropriately. I mean, she concluded, right? She f- found that he committed these acts that were against the ver- the personal conduct policy. Her quote was, Watson had a sexual purpose, not just a therapeutic purpose, in making these arrangements with these particular therapists. And based on what she, based on her interpretation, she has determined that there was culpability. So, you know, it's There is something there, but it's not enough. Now, I understand where the NFL also isn't too keen on, you know, lambasting the judge or trying to overturn this because it's her first ruling. And otherwise, you know, the NFL in the past is, are, is the, the judge and jury. So, you know, if they are to act this renders her participation in all of this judge robinson's participation in all of this if the nfl ends up acting it's rendered a sham you know if roger goodell is just going to give him give watson the sentence the suspension that he wanted it renders all of this pointless it renders all of this useless it, it's it, it becomes a, a banana republic and a sham court but i agree with you like the um, you're equating you are very much equating Tom Brady's deflation of game balls, right, with 24 allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault. That just doesn't compute. Now, maybe this is this shines a light on the fact that the NFL needs to codify, like, and actually give, you know, an ex, a concrete number of games for concrete actions like if you go into a court if you commit first degree murder you're going to get this amount of years if you commit petty theft you're going to get this amount of years if you have you know if you get caught jumping a turnstile you only pay a fine You, you need some kind of concrete codification and i think that's where guys in the past are starting to you know come up in arms like calvin ridley this came down and how many people rushed to Calvin Ridley's defense? Calvin Ridley got a year for gambling because he was you know, dealing with the integrity of the league. This doesn't deal with the integrity of the league if not more so.
1: Is your hair thinning or is your hairline receding? Scalp micropigmentation will fill in the areas where your hair is missing by creating a short buzz cut look. Micropigmentation is a non-invasive procedure that will create the illusion of hair follicles for seven to ten years. For people with alopecia, this could be a permanent fix. For people with scars on their scalp, this is a great way to camouflage a scar. Don't lose confidence or feel like you need to wear a hat wherever you go. Marquez Studio is located in the Bronx and is open for all your scalp micropigmentation needs. Consultations are free and appointments can be made any day of the week. Get your hairline back with scalp micropigmentation. The Texas at Marquez Studio have over 30 years of haircutting experience and can assist you with all of your questions. Call to schedule a consultation today, 646 646- 221 8728. You can also visit them on Instagram at Bronx Marquez to see their gallery and view all their satisfied customers. Again, that is Marquez Studio, located in the Bronx, New York, 646 221 8728. It's a flawed system, sticking with scandal in the NFL. The league punished the Miami Dolphins on Tuesday for tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. 2019 to 2022. Owner Stephen Ross was fined 1.5 million and suspended until October and the team was it was docked a first round pick in 2023. Big deal, little deal, no deal.
0: Big deal in that it validates what coach Brian Flores was saying. He didn't while it's still unclear as to whether or not the um uh, the bribes, the $100,000 kickbacks for losing were legitimate or not. The arbitration indicated that they thought that Stephen Ross was kidding when he said that. So I don't know how you can, you know, it's not on tape. I don't know how you can determine whether or not he's joking based on that. You're going to, you know, take his word for it. But, you know, Flores mentioned they wanted Brady. They wanted Peyton. There was a boat meeting, and ultimately it didn't happen. So this vindicates Flores to a degree, and I'm glad that he is on Mike Tomlin's coaching staff and he has a chance to, you know, continue his livelihood. You, you, as we know, you and I uh, thought he was going to be blackballed, at least for a little while. It's good that Brian Flores can hold his head high and know, you know, he is being vindicated more and more. But what I find interesting, and Sarah Spain brought out this little tidbit of information, um, Tom Brady is linked to all three forfeiture's of first-round picks. <laughs> so each time an, an, uh, an NFL franchise has had to forfeit a first-round pick, Tom Brady was somehow involved. That is very interesting. Um, what I find I find most interesting is that, you know, Stephen Ross is $1.5 million fine. He got stripped of his committee duties. Like they came down harder on the team than they did on the owner. So, you know, 1.5 million is chump change for a billionaire. So I'm sure he's upset more about the fact that he's paying the 1.5 million and he didn't get Brady and Peyton. But imagine if he was successful, if he had Brady and Peyton and only had to lose $1.5 million, he'd be like, shit, I'll do it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think this was a big deal. Um, interesting to see that the Dolphins were trying to get those two together. I mean, we speculated it. We, we had speculations on this show about a year ago saying that this, that this was in the works. Uh, I think Peyton and Brady meeting up in Miami is still possible. I think it's still a possibility, right? Uh, NFL rarely gets these fines and doctrines of trades correctly, but I think they got it right here after a six-month investigation. Um, I wonder how many things the NFL doesn't catch, right?
0: (laughs) Willful ignorance. I'm kind of thinking it's going to be willful ignorance. Depends on who it is, right? Like, you know, the McNairs, they're probably under a larger microscope now than they were in the past. Jimmy Haslam is probably under a greater microscope than he was in the past. Dan Snyder, he's, I mean, he definitely is. We know that. He's in international waters, and (laughs) he's not coming back. You know, he's, he's like, he's extradited himself to, like, to his boat. But, um, you know, it's very interesting to see who the NFL will move on and who they will not move on. But um, we're going to see where this goes. And, yeah, I, I, I think that ultimately the Dolphins are going to walk away from this. Like, they're going to get their $1.5 million slap on their wrist. Ross is going to keep doing his thing. And they're going to keep trying to get the quarterback because I don't necessarily think that Tua tunga is it. And I don't, I don't think they're convinced either. And that's, pro- that's part of the reason why Brian Flores is no longer the coach. For all the grill masters, green thumbers, home repair heroes, and DIY aficionados in the Richmond, Virginia area, If you're looking for personal service, quality products, and a convenient shopping experience, look no further than Thacker Ace Hardware in Colonial Heights, Virginia. Owner Don Rackley and his team of local experts have everything you need to tackle all of your home projects. I'm talking paints by Benjamin Moore and Clark in Kensington, power tools by Craftsman and Milwaukee, electrical, plumbing, hardware, and let's not miss the grill. Weber. Big Green Egg, Traeger, Blackstone, top shelf, amazing. And for all you Green Thumbers, their nursery department is fantastic. Give them a call today, 804-766-4223 or stop by 27 Dunlop Village in Colonial Heights. That's 804-766-4223 or swing by 27 Dunlop Village in Colonial Heights. Thacker Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. But, you know, the Dolphins didn't get Brady, but they should have their quarterback of the future, or so they think. The Denver Broncos are trying to figure that out too. Russell Wilson is 33. He has one year remaining on his deal. You gave up the farm, right? You gave up a good haul of players and picks to get him. There's no guaranteed money. So should the Broncos extend Wilson or see how it plays out?
1: I mean, Russell's been trending downward the last year, so I don't think they should extend him long-term. I saw their wide receiver, Patrick, just went down with an ACL tear. That's like yeah. they've lost three wide receivers the last three years, the ACL tears. Cam- Hamler, I think, was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they... <sighs> I gotta do something about the field, I don't know, but I'd say let let Russ play out this season and see where you are in January. He's probably the worst or the third best quarterback in that division, so you should be looking towards the future. Um, he's not Peyton Manning, he's not Tom Brady, he's not Drew Brees, so, I mean, I don't think an extension is that necessary right now.
0: I mean, he's fine right now. Like, Russell Wilson is a fine quarterback. He's fine. He's good. You know, he's 104, 53 and 1 first career, 65% completion first career, 87 picks to 292 touchdowns. Pretty good. The problem is when they have this let Russ cook shit, like Russell Wilson is great until they start letting him cook. Like, that's when he starts making mistakes. But in the past, he's had guys that kind of cover up for that. And he had a killer run game in Marshawn Lynch. This year, you're going to have Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. You're going to have a run game. He's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be bereft. Like, Seattle, like, just lost Chris Carson. He retired. So, like, that's who Russell Wilson has been, like, relying on to get major run, rushing yards. And if you're looking at, you know, you have a top three of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler. Like, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good trio out there. And the line's not terrible. Like, could it be better? Yes, it could be better. But, I mean, he's got a good left tackle and Garrett Bowles. They'll be able to, you know, protect his blind side. I think Russell Wilson is on a prove-it kind of deal at this point. And I think that that's fair because Russell Wilson needs to prove that he is who we think he is. And there's that inevitable decline during the year. And he's got to prove that he can get over that hump. Because, I mean, last year, 6-8, and but... 12 and 4 11 and 5 10 and 6 9 and 7 10 and 5 10 and 6 12 and 4 13 and 3 11 and handily over 500 for his career right each year handily over 500 and he's given he's been given more weapons prove it put up or shut up and then we'll pay you
1: Are you in need of air care, maintenance, or service? I have the company for you, Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling, maintenance, and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians@gmail.com. at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that D&Z sent you. And last week, we discussed the lack of wide receiver talent on the Chiefs. Another team inept at wide receiver this season will be the Green Bay Packers. Lazard, Watkins, Watson, and Cobb are not Crosby, Adams, Driver, and Jennings. Who is in a worse situation, the Packers or the Chiefs?
0: Well, let's see. You're looking at, for the Chiefs, like we went over it already. Like, Juju, Hardman, Valdez, Scantling, Josh Gordon is your number four, Corey Coleman is on this team, and a bunch of other guys. Shit's weak. Yeah, that doesn't, I mean, luckily they have Travis Kelsey. Luckily, you know, luckily the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey. You know, Alan Lazard is not Jordy Nelson. You know, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, like that's bad. Like both the the Packers are in trouble. Especially if Robert Tunyon is not going to be the safety net. Mercedes-Lewis is there, but he can't do at his age what Robert Tunyon can do. So I think that between those two teams, the Packers are in a lot of trouble. But I will see those two teams and I will raise you. The <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. CD Lamb. Michael Gallup is hurt. James Washington is hurt. Ja- uh, Jalen Tolbert is your number three. And then who do you have? Dennis Houston, Noah Brown, Cavante Turpin. What, what, who? What? Where? <laughs> who are these people? And then thankfully they have Dalton Schultz as the tight end. But that's that's it. Of these three, I would say that you know the Cowboys, it, the Cowboys are the worst. The Packers are second worst, and the Chiefs, they're you know they're not bad by comparison.
1: Yeah, but I think I I think Dallas. I think Ceedee Lamb's a big time player. I think he can carry it. He reminds me a little bit of when. Um, when the Steelers moved on from Mike Wallace mm-hmm. and they had Antonio Brown come their number one and everybody's like, oh, he can't handle it. He's not getting ready. He's not. And then he became one of the best receivers in the league and he led my fantasy team to a championship that year. Nice. Um I'm going with the Packers. I can't see LaFleur developing a scheme without the best wide receiver in the game, and we saw how well the Packers did with uh, without Rodgers last year. Um, I think Andy Reid has the ability to design an offense that balances the run in the pass game well. With the, He knows how to coach with what he has. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say that the Packers are in a Worse position than all than both of those teams. I like Dallas's situation better than the Chiefs, but I think the Chiefs will be able to figure it out.
0: Now, our "figure it out" segment of the week brought to you by "Figure it out" by Coach Mike Westoff. We're still <laughs> working on it, Coach. It's it's a great read, but uh, there is a, a specter, in my opinion, hanging over all three of these teams. And one that we got before Mike Tannenbaum got the other day on first take. I said about three weeks ago that the Dallas Cowboys should sign Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is still out there and he would make any one of these teams better. So who do you think, who, let's do good, better, best. Who's the best fit for Odell Beckham Jr. of these three teams?
1: Ooh, of those three teams. Ah, uh, I'm gonna say the Chiefs is probably the best, right? And then the better one would I would go with the um, the Packers, and last I would go with Dallas. I just don't think Dallas needs it because Dallas has the Dallas has the run game. I know Zeke is on the decline, but Tony Pollard can run too. They have Schultz. They've got a true number one guy. Like I think the, I really think Dallas is gonna be okay. The Chiefs, I think, could really use him. I mean, I think he would fit in really with, well with what they do there. And of course, Aaron Rodgers could, could benefit from him. Like you know, to me, Dallas is Dallas is more of a balanced team. You know, I, I look at the Packers, and I think they're always trying to gun it. Even though you know Jones does very good on the ground, he gets hurt.
0: And he's, you know, he's turnover pro. Like, he definitely, he's put them on the ground. And we've seen it in big-time moments. So, in terms of good, better, best, I think a good fit would be the Chiefs. I think they have, I mean, they have four or five guys, so they can theoretically spread it around, and they want to spread it around more. But Odell Beckham Jr. would definitely make that team better. A better fit would be the Packers, just from the simple fact that, I mean, he immediately becomes a number one. Right. And then those other guys become better because he's drawing the, be- the number one target. Now, does that necessarily, d- does Odell Beckham necessarily want that? Because that means less for him. So his numbers suffer, but Alan Lazard's numbers are going to be fantastic. And for me, in my opinion, the best fit, Lamb and Beckham bookending that offense, it opens things up because now... You and
1: Mike T, huh? Would did uh, he invite you to play golf recently or something?
0: I had it first. <laughs> I had it first. Mr. T, I am going to reiterate that I had it first. and Well, thank you for listening to the show. Much appreciated, Mr. T. But, I mean, I feel like with the injuries they've had, if James Washington was there, if Gallup was there, this wouldn't be a question. But because we don't know and we don't know what they're going to be, Gallup's coming back from a knee. Like, knees on a wide out, that might be all she wrote. They traded Amari Cooper, and they kept Michael Gallup, and then he immediately had this problem. So, we'll see. But I think that that kind of opens up the floodgates a little bit because you'll have Beckham on one side, Lamb on the other side, and you'll have Schultz to go over the middle. So Beckham doesn't need to worry about going over the middle, which has kind of been the injury issue. And then, you know, because you're now balanced even more, that opens up for Zeke, that opens up for Tony Pollard. And I think that will benefit Dak Prescott a little bit more in the long term. But I mean, he he's playing it close to the best. Like, I, I really don't know where Odell Beckham's going to go. And I don't think anybody does. And that's kind of, that's going to be an intriguing storyline that kind of hangs over Trading Camp. And we're going to see how long it lasts do you love brownies of course you love brownies but you know what's better than a brownie a delicious handcrafted gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep that's what our guys at sweet life brownie co-offer chef tommy d and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave from the classic ob to dutch apple to campfire s'mores and many more Check out their website, sweetlifebrownieco.com, for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at sweetlifebrownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's sweetlifebrownieco.com. Give them a call, 845 641 3043, and tell them DNZ sent you. That's sweetlifebrownieco.com, 845 641 3043. Sweetlife Brownie Co., because there's always room for a brownie. It's the in route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to be part of the action? Want to be the newest member of the in-crowd? You know what to do. Hit us up, FadeRouteMail at gmail.com or slide in those DMs on Podcast on IG or hit that Twitter, d n z.
1: Us on the in-route today, we have New York Giants insider and resident Yankee fan Danny Butler. Danny, thanks for coming on again. Thanks so much for having me again, boys. I appreciate it. Good to hear from
2: you again.
1: Alright, we'll start you off with this. The trade deadline is coming gone. The Yankees were very busy adding Frankie montas Andrew Benintendi, Lou Trevino, Scott Efrost. Uh, we got Harrison Bader. While subtracting Joey Gallo and Jordan Montgomery, what is your letter grade for the Yankees' deadline moves?
2: I think you have to give him an A. Cashman did a good job. He addressed pretty much every need they had without giving up the real big prospects. You know, the the Dominguez's, the Volpe's, the Peralta's, you know, they, the Pereira's. They did a good job of that. Um, you know, they, 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 got, they didn't really go after Soto, but I thought that was kind of a pipe dream anyway because... They, they, they love Volpe. Volpe's going to be their starting shortstop maybe next year. But I, re- I think Cassidy did a great job. I, you got to give him an A. But
1: would you agree that 20 years ago, they would have went and got Soto?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. 20 years ago, yeah. George would have gave up Soto, and they would have signed him, and they would have re-signed Judge. And if that would have been their plan, I would have been all for it. But to me, if they if they were going to trade for Soto, extend him, give him his almost $500 million, what he wants – that probably means Judge is out the door next. So I'm looking at it three years from now. Would you rather have Soto? Would you rather have Judge, Dominguez, and Volpe? So I think they made the right choice.
0: You yeah, I figure good. also yeah. that um, the way the the way the deal was constructed, like they would have been more in the Soto and Corbin camp more so than the than the uh, Soto Bell and Voigt camp, right? You know, like that kind of deal. Like you figure, because Rizzo didn't want to include Corbin to get a max on his. Uh, To get a max on Soto's value, but like the Yankees would have, I mean, would have blown through that since they were looking, they were looking at Corbin, right?
2: Yeah. A couple years ago, Cashman got killed for not going, spending money after Corbin. He's been a disaster since. That's a move that, that's George Steinbrenner move where, okay, we'll take your guy that's making way too much money because we don't care. These are not, these are not the George Yankees anymore. These are the Hal Yankees. Right.
1: Right. I mean, Brian, like you said, Brian Cashman addressed depth in the outfield, starting rotation. And the bullpen to keep the Yankees on their 119-win pace. But which of the additions will be most valuable, in your opinion?
2: I think the obvious one is Ben Benintendi. I think he really fits this team. We're still a little too much home run uh, reliant. Not as much as we've been in the past. We're not, all, we're not totally all or nothing, but we're still too much. I think he's a guy, he gets on base, he hits all fields. His powers really never develop, but the Yankee Stadium, you know, he could still hit one out, I think. I, I would like to see him back in second. Maybe Lemayo one, Benintendi two to have Judge even more of RBI opportunities. But they love Judge in the two hole. Uh, Mont- Montos was a, was a big, big pickup. He's a legit number two because you don't know what Sevy's going to be with. of the injury, he's not going to be back until mid September. Cortez is very good, but you know you don't know. He kind of does with spoke mirror sometimes, so that worries you. Tiant got off to a great start, but he's been really, he's been really uh, struggling of late. But Montez is a legit number two. I really love Trevino on that deal too. He he's had not a great year this year numbers-wise, but if you delve deeper into the numbers, it looked like the analytics show he's run into a lot of bad luck. And he also has good numbers career against the Astros. He's faced them a lot being in the AL West, and it's, it, it, it against Bregman in particular, he's got good numbers. So I really I really like that. Uh, the other guy, the, the bull the bullpen is a worry now because Chapman's so consistent. Holmes has not been good since they moved him to the closer. Getting those last three outs is, is a big difference. So to get to get more bullpen depth I really think helps them a lot.
1: So you think Trevino eventually becomes the closer? Is he a setup guy? What do you think is going to happen there? I,
2: I think it's going to turn into more of a situational thing than anything because I, I don't think they really, I mean unless Chapman really just gets hot in one of those tears where he's dominant again and throwing 102 and not thinking maybe Boone goes back to trust him. But I, I think I think it's just going to be Kind of by committee, which I don't like, but let's face yeah. it, we don't we don't have the lockdown guy right now.
0: I mean, are you going to throw your are you going to throw your eggs into the Zach Britton basket? I mean, I know he's on a rehab; and he's probably coming back soon.
2: Yeah, that's why he, people keep on forgetting about Britton. I mean, he's done it in the past, so if if he can if he shows that he's healthy and pitching well, that's definitely a guy that you can trust in that spot. So I think that they have a lot of options anyway, and with with the moves at the deadline, is even more so, which is a good thing.
1: So does the so to you the outfield will now be Bader, Benintendi, and Judge with Hicks DH in or Stanton DH in. Is that what you think it's gonna look like?
2: Yeah, I was a little the Montgomery for Bader move I wasn't crazy about. It leads me to believe that Stanton's injury it's either a little more than they thought, or when he comes back, they don't want him playing the field. So and if that's the case, you you need they have to get rid of Gallo. You do need another outfielder. Bader's an excellent fielder. Uh not much of a hitter, but he's an excellent fielder. You know Hicks is going to probably be hurt at some point too, you know, because <laughs> yeah. he because he always is. And
0: Bader's uh, a local kid,
2: yeah. Bader, you know, went, he grew up. Harris Mantle so is a local player there, so hopefully you know he can get yeah. back home.
1: he's definitely got to be feeling good about this. But now turning to the rest of the league's moves, the Padres, Phillies, Braves, Astros, Mariners, Twins, and Blue Jays were all particularly active. What got your attention, and did anyone do enough to challenge the Yankees come playoff time?
2: Well, I think the worst trade by far was uh, Brittany Grinder for the, uh, the Russian arms <laughs> yeah. deal. But, uh, I'm just, I'm Has just that kidding. gone through yet? Has that <laughs> gone through yet? I don't know. I think they're waiting on physicals and the paperwork to get there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding on that. But, uh, I mean, the Padres obviously made a huge splash. They're a good young team, and they have kind of – they were always – like, the last couple of years, they've been the media darlings, but they really haven't taken that next step. I mean, it's a great move for them because with Soto, if they, if, you know, Boris is going to want every last time representing Soto, if they could be in the same spot two years from now and say, Hey, we're going to trade him for a boatload of prospects. We'll replenish the farm system. And maybe we win in the next two years. And then, or maybe Soto falls in love with San Diego. Cause it's a beautiful city. And Hey, I want to stay here. I also think getting hater was used for them. And, um, hater, oh, yeah. Brandon, and Brandon Jory too. They, they made, they made a lot of moves. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, well, all this for the second
1: wildcard spot.
2: <laughs> well, that yeah, but that's that's what it is now. So many teams make the playoffs that these it's different than like oh well we don't have to win our division. Let's just go in with a, a better team in the in the playoffs.
0: All this to beat the Braves or the Phillies in the first round.
2: Pro- yeah. yeah, probably <laughs> yes. For Mets fans' point of view, yes, that's what you want.
0: <laughs> beat them up. I don't care. Yep.
2: Uh, also, I like with the Jays. I like with like Merrifield. I always thought he was a very good player. And he kind of gives them a little element maybe they haven't had. They're kind of a lot of power hitters. He's a guy that gets on base and can run a little bit. Uh, the Astros made some, I think, very smart under-the-radar moves. Uh, especially because, you know, it. It's people always think it's going to be the, us, the Yankees, and the Astros. And I think the Astros think that, too. He's a good player. He kind of he, he has success against the Yankees. Christian Vasquez is a good player. He always kills the Yankees. So... They're eyeing October in October matchup with that. I think those were some good under-the-radar moves for them.
0: Definitely. And, uh, you know, going past the trade deadline, going past October, we're going on to contracts now. As we know, Aaron Judge bet on himself, and he's having a monster MVP season in his walk here. The Yankees are hesitant to give Judge the length of the contract he wants. D's on record that the Yankees should just let Judge walk, but I think you can't let a homegrown superstar walk so easily. After this season, is this a back the truck situation, in your opinion? Or should the Yankees just let him go, let Judge walk?
2: In my opinion, it's a back-up-the-truck because this guy, like you said, he's a homegrown superstar, one of the best players in baseball, having one of the best years, you know, we've ever seen, you know, especially in the last 20, 30 years. But this isn't George's Yankees anymore, you know? So, And, and even with George, George, George loved other teams' players. His own players, he didn't like to spend the money, but i was a little surprised at the beginning of the year not the judge turned the contract down but that the yankees offered seven years i thought it'd be more like a five six year thing and throw more money at him per year but they went seven years and like you said judge bet on himself and it's gonna come through if i'm the yankees you got i mean i know he's 30 but you you got to look eight years probably over 40 million a year you're talking like you know you're talking eight for like 42 43 a year i think i think you have to do it if if he's if he's upset over the way things happened in the offseason and he wants just crazy, crazy money, yeah, maybe you have to let him go. But I, I can't imagine the media and the fans and that outrage if that happens. I
0: mean, if we're going to look at this and like do a comparison, right? You have Derek Jeter, whom they let test the free agent market and there really right. wasn't that much coming back. And then you look at Robinson Cano, who uh, just went for the payday. And I think we all can agree that that was a bad move on Robinson Cano's part because... You know, he, well, just, he got like, paid. He did he get paid. paid. He, he got paid. paid. Yeah. He got paid, but got paid. I-, I wouldn't say that his run in Seattle was particularly successful. I wouldn't say his run with the Mets was any su- any more successful. He had more PED suspensions than you know 20, 30 homer seasons. Like, it's you know, where also, does this back, fall?
2: If you also go like Jeter, you said Jeter and Cashman, they they still don't like each other over over that those negotiations, and you go back even further to Bernie Williams in going into the offseason in 2000 he was he was like an hour away from signing with the Red Sox he actually called George himself and said I want to be a Yankee and they worked it out so like it, it has happened before so it, it, like you said, it's it's not totally out of the realm but I just can't see it right now so
1: so 8 years 8 years you think is possible
2: but definitely not 10 yeah 10 too much but now you're talking till he's 40 but 8 even 8 Kind of pushing it, but with the year he has, he has all the leverage. Also, you got to think in a couple of years, Stanton will be off the books. Uh, Garrett Cole will, you know, towards the end of that contract, he'll be off the books. So that, and with our farm system, they don't have to start paying these guys for another four or five years if these guys do all come up and become legit stars. So, I mean, the Yankees really—I know it's not not their way anymore—but they really need to bite the bull and just give Judge what he wants.
0: Yeah, but with the—I mean, he is 30, like you said, he does want like a nine-year contract. Now, do you think that? adding in a couple of opt-outs or adding in those, you know, a couple of options or something, you think that would be something that would be like a deal breaker on his point? Or do you think it would be something that, you know, like if he looks at it as an opportunity like, hell, I can even make more money.
2: Yeah, like if you want to give him, you know, you signed year deal and let's say after year four, he has an opt-out because if he's still putting up these kind of numbers and said, hell, I could get another six-year contract now for even more money. Maybe you do that. Maybe that's something that would entice him. Also, I think and sometimes when guys come up in New York, they get spoiled by the media attention and, you know, all the not only accolades, but the endorsements that come with it. When you go somewhere else, it's not always like that. I mean, Judge is going to be a star wherever he is. But when you're in New York, you really have that advantage. Sometimes the guys that come up through that don't appreciate that till it's gone. Like a guy like Canal Definitely. And you would,
1: assume, you would assume the captaincy will come with this next contract, right?
2: I think it would have to. I mean, if you're going to give this guy eight, eight, nine years for $300, $350 million, it makes all the sense in the world to name him the next captain. I mean, he fits all the criteria.
0: Absolutely. He's he's definitely the straw that's stirring the drink right now. But, uh, you know, we've been talking <laughs> baseball the whole time. But, uh, you know, football season is drawing close. We have about 35 days till the season officially kicks off. And the Giants have addressed their offensive line issues in the draft and free agency, and they added a few depth pieces like Matt Breda. You know, they definitely made some improvements. We'll be ordering up the NFC East in the coming weeks, but since we have you, you know, where do you have the Giants finishing this season?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't think you can get your expectations too high just based off of last year's debacle and pretty much the last five or six years of debacles. But I, I really do like the moves they made. Like, you talk about, you know, getting Thibodeau, Neal in the draft. I mean, there was time... Before the combine, you're going to go 1-2. If you would have told me, you know, back then that the Giants were going to get them a 5-7, I would have told you to take a walk that you're nuts. But... <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I didn't think Neal would fall. Yep, yeah. Thibodeau either. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and a kid like Wandall Robinson, who was... People kind of scratched their heads, saying, oh, maybe that's a reach. But the guy, you know, Brian Dayball and Joe... They know, they know what they like, and he's a guy that fits that system. I would say, I think this team definitely has the possibility to win seven or eight games, maybe nine, a winning record if everything falls into place. You never know with the NFC East. Is
1: Kadarius Tony the X-Factor this year?
2: He could be. He's so freaking talented that it's just if he wants to they, play or not. They got to get him the ball. They got to get him the ball in space. He, it, hopefully, he's he's working on his route, running ability. I know under the Dayball system there's a little bit more of freestyle involved, which will definitely help Tony. And hopefully if these guys practice every day and don't get hurt, that you know, Daniel Jones can work, get a chemistry with these guys so they know what they're thinking. So when guys break off a route, Jones knows what to look for. So, you know But
1: Galladay's also gotta have a better year. I mean you can't get much worse than the last two years, right?
2: No, he was pretty bad, but I go back to the chemistry issue. Galladay's a guy, he doesn't have blazing speed, but he's tall and his job is to get the 50-50 balls. He was the best in the league at that for a couple of years with the Lions. Where throw it up, he's going to come down with it. And I think because he was hurt in training camp, he didn't get a lot of work with Jones, and I don't, I just don't think he trusted him enough for those 50-50 balls. The way, like, back in the day, Eli would trust Plaxico. When Eli was a young quarterback, said, said, <laughs> throw it up to plaques, he's going to catch it. And that, that really helped that really helped Eli's career and get him confidence. Jones didn't have that with Galli. Hopefully with a year under their belt and more practice, they do get that comfortability.
1: Eli definitely did not have a problem just throwing it up. That's no, for
2: sure. No, he, didn't, he, did, he did not. Well, one gunslinger to another. You should appreciate that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Fun, just, uh... just
1: throw it up. Somebody's out there. Somebody will get it. Flax is out there somewhere. Yep.
0: Well, I mean, we'll get you out here on this one. since Greg Doyle is out there
2: somewhere. <laughs> Greg Doyle, yeah. Mike Mike McGee was open. I think <laughs> Mike oh McGee's my- out there somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. These are the deep cuts, ladies and gentlemen. These yeah. are Spelman Falcon football, yeah. certain uh, circa two thousand one. Oh yeah. my goodness!
2: Greg Doyle, but- number eighty-seven, I believe, right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. My sick memory is still working.
0: Our 20 year is coming up, gentlemen. I'm just reminding you now. Yeah, thanks, so. thanks
2: for reminding me. Appreciate
0: it. <laughs> Jesus. So we ran a Twitter poll, and this got your goat a little bit, DB. We, la- we, we ran this Twitter poll last week about Jimmy G's best landing spot, and the results were overwhelming. 50% of the people that voted said the Giants. So should the Giants pursue Jimmy G, or do you prefer to ride with Danny Dimes for one more year?
2: Yeah, like I said, that I, I really don't understand the whole Jimmy G to the Giants thing. I mean, I guess people just think it's a landing spot because Jones is an unproven quarterback. And But if the Giants were a very good team with a quarterback that's holding him back, that's making too many mistakes, okay, fine. Yeah, Jimmy G's kind of a game manager. You put him in for a year or two, and you hope he can get you on the over the hump the Giants aren't that team Jimmy G doesn't I don't even he might make him a game or two better but that's not what you want listen Daniel Jones might go out there and even with a new system a good offensive line more weapons he might go and still show his inconsistencies and that he's not ready and then I, I but I think you have to chance it this year and if it if he doesn't get over the hump well then that's it you worry but you worry about that next year but Jimmy G to the Giants this year I don't think it makes them better
1: Who's the class of the division this year? Is it the Cowboys, the Eagles? What do
2: you see? I mean, the Cowboys are the most talented team, but they've been the most talented team for twenty years, and it doesn't really help them.
0: Um, uh, I, I, the injuries yeah. to the whiteouts, The injuries. Well, to they seem to be run.
1: really, you know, ESPN and the other networks seem to be really hyping
2: the Eagles. I, I just don't. I mean, the Eagles—they have weapons now that'll help Hurts. I don't trust Jalen Hurts in a in a big spot. I, he's a good quarterback. I, I I don't, I don't think he's, he's going to be a winning quarterback that's going to take anywhere. Uh, I know Carson Wentz is not anything great, but I, I think he improves the Redskins a little bit. But I think it's going to be a typical NFC East where it's going to be four average to below average teams knocking the hell out of each other. And, you know, I think nine wins wins the division.
0: Wow. No, that's fair. That's fair. This has been uh, the NFC least for a little bit now. So def- we'll, uh, we'll definitely see where it goes, brother. DB, thank you for coming on. And uh, what's, so what's up coming at the Tubby Hook? What's uh, what's coming up?
2: Uh, things are going good at Tubby. Uh, we got uh trivia every Tuesday night. That's always a fun time. Karaoke's every Thursday. That's a great time. Nice. Uh, brunch Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, it's just it's a good spot to come in. Well, you know, hopefully Mets and Yankees are playing deep into October. So we'll have all of October covered for your baseball needs you know come on in and if you mention the the Fader Out podcast I'll actually be nice to you instead of being miserable (laughs) like I usually am
0: that is a sweetener ladies and gentlemen yes make sure you go to Tubby Hook drop our name And you may get a smile from DB himself. Dan Butler, thank you for coming on, brother. And if you want to be the next member of the in-route, hit us up at faderoutemail at gmail.com. Slide in those DMs at faderoutepodcast on IG or drop us a line on Twitter at d n z. Dan Butler, thank you, brother. And we will have you on again soon.
2: Thank you so much, guys. I'm looking forward to it. All the best.
0: the fade store presents the alleged superstar of the week award all right boys and girls you know what time it is it is time for the alleged superstar of the week we put up a poll on our twitter page at fade dnz and you vote and you vote and you vote and you vote the winner gets the coveted ass trophy and gets his or her name dropped on this very podcast and do you know who took home the ass last week d i don't matt rule (laughs) yeah all right good job coach you won something but that was last week this is this week Who are your nominees for Alleged Superstar of the Week, D?
1: All right, first up, I got Hollywood Brown arrested in Arizona and charged with criminal speeding. Come on, man. This is dangerous. Do we not see what can happen if you speed excessively in the highway? People could die. Hollywood Brown, you are my Alleged Superstar of the Week. Next up, I got the Cubs front office. You failed to move the best players on your team so you will be just this bad for the next several years. Contreras will walk in free agency for nothing, and half will likely not be this this good next season. Cubs front office, you are my alleged superstars of the week. And last and certainly least, Carson Wentz, throwing three picks today during training camp with fans in the stands. It's a bad luck, bro. My man. Remember, you played the Eagles twice this year. You're in their division. Don't screw it up. Carson Wentz, you are my alleged superstar. Of the week Z, what do you got?
0: Carson Wentz isn't making those games. Taylor Heineke <laughs> is going to play both of those games. Bullshit or no shit.
1: Right now, Taylor Heineke is playing both of those games. <laughs> uh, I'm bullshit. going no oh, shit. Bullshit. Wentz will play.
0: Wentz will play. I'm going no shit on that. But we'll see what happens there. But for me, Jerry Jones, for somehow reinvigorating your rivalry with Jimmy Johnson and getting petty over the Ring of Honor. When is Jimmy Johnson going to go into the Ring of Honor? I get to make that decision. It isn't at the end of the day all tailored around whether Jimmy is sniveling or not. Well, that's nice. Petty. Petty, petty, petty. You know I love me some petty. But (laughs) Jerry Jones, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Toronto Blue Jays. For trading for a player, in Whit Merrifield, who cannot play for your team right now because he's unvaccinated. He cannot play the home games. How's that going to work out for you? I guess he's going to have to get vaccinated now, isn't he? And Whit Merrifield, you're on this list too because you famously said, why am I going to get vaccinated? My team stinks, and it's not like I'm going to go play for Toronto anytime soon. (laughs) Whoops. So Whit and the Blue Jays, you are my alleged superstar of the week, and I got a bonus one. Garrett Cole, six run, three homer first inning against the Mariners this afternoon. Garrett Cole, you are my alleged superstar of the week. We have many. They are varied. Go to our Twitter poll and vote and vote and vote. And for our nominees this week. Just do better, boys. Just do better. Order up. We continue on our division preview for the NFL season by ordering up. Order up, order up. The AFC South this week from four to one. Who you got, D? All
1: right. I mean, I was tempted to go a little wild. You know and, and have the texans be the number one team but i just can't i'm just gonna go start off with the texans at number four come on man davis mills is their quarterback brandon cooks is their wide receiver And I've said i do hear good things about damian pierce in training camp he's a strong guy he's turning heads tough guy um but I, they're heading in the right direction it's just gonna take some time to turn uh number three, Jacksonville. I was tempted to score them higher too. I actually think the Jags will finish close to five hundred. Peterson's the right person for the job. And I think their defense is gonna hurt them. But I think offensively they're gonna make really good strides this year, especially NTN's back. So they should do well. Number two, I have the Titans. Um this grade is assuming King Henry's healthy too. Mm. Um they drafted a wide right receiver with asthma. And they traded away the best wide receiver they had. So this is what happens. You follow the number two. Number one to me is the Colts. I really am a big fan of Matt Ryan enjoying this team. I said this once they made this, once they made the, the trade. I truly believe this team is a quarterback away. I think their defense is ready. I love their defensive backs. They have probably the best running back right now. Um, their their defense is solid. I think they take the division. What do you got, Z?
0: Well, I mean, we agree on the Texans. But there's a little more hope there than we think. You're looking at Brandon Cooks as your number one. Chris Conley is there. Chris Conley is a, you know, a solid, if unspectacular player. Philip Dorsett is there. Solid, but unspectacular.
1: That's what they said about you.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> like, it's on my business card. Like, I handed that. It says underneath my name, solid, but unspectacular. <laughs> but, but you're looking at, you know, they're... Their running back room isn't bad. Marlon Mack if he can ever stay healthy and that's why he's not in Indianapolis right now. Rex Burkhead and Royce Freeman. But like, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. So, if they can get a wideout, at least a wideout to kind of bolster this room and if they can get a tight end, like they can steal some wins. But right now, I don't like it. I'm not they're not there yet. Number three, and this might shock you, I'm taking the Titans. I think yeah. it's going to be a enough of a drop-off because of the losses in the wide receiver. Like, your number one is Robert Woods, but Robert Woods is also coming back from injury. Shocker, Robert Woods is injured. But, you know, can Derrick Henry truly carry this offense? We've seen him do it for, for years now. But, you know, how many times is he going to be asked to do it before it stops working? You know, (laughs) you can only so you can only truck so many guys. Eventually they figure out how to tackle you. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill is Ryan Tannehill. Like he's just good enough to get you beat. Like he's he is, well, that's the that's every quarterback in this division. Just good enough to get you beat, except for Davis Mills. He's just not great. So Titans are number three. Number two, Jacksonville Jaguars. They made a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of headway in the off season. and we'll see. Like we'll see. Shot Khan spent the money, right? He brought in he Christian. Sounds Th- like
1: the tiger from the from the Jungle Book. <laughs> I,
0: I was thinking the villain from Mortal Kombat, but uh, yeah. we'll go with that. <laughs> but you know, like. Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Chanel, Tre Laquan Treadwell is there. Like, good for Laquan Treadwell. He's still getting Zay jobs. Jones. Zay it-
1: Jones has a chance.
0: Like, that's a pretty good, I mean, those, that's a top three. Why, as a top three unit, that's a pretty good unit. I mean, Dan Arnold is there. Our boy, Cardinal Spellman's own Chris Manhurts, still there. And, you know, they brought in Evan Ingram. So, you know, that, that, eh. You're gonna see Jacksonville, you guys are gonna see how bad Evan Ingram is. Sorry about that. You're gonna get a a better year from Trevor they're Lawrence. A
1: fly, they're taking a flyer on him. They're taking a
0: chance. Bad. I mean, they bad. They, they they paid. They they paid for him. And frankly, you know, that I think it's a waste of money. But, you know, what can I say? Like as a Jilted Giants fan, like it was a waste of money. I expect a good year from Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and James Robinson need to come together. They need to come together in order to make sure that it's not all on the kick. And I think they'll do a good job because James Robinson is a good running back. He's a very good running back. So we'll see what's gonna happen there. But by default, our number one is the Indianapolis Colts, right? Pittman, Paris Campbell, Mo'Ally Cox is still there. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, they brought in Philip Lindsay as their third string, and now you have Matt Ryan and Nick Foles. All right, Frank Reich, he knows what he's doing. Even if Matt Ryan isn't great or gets sidelined, you have one-trick Nick. He'll be able to he'll be able to hold the reins for a while. And frankly, the division competition is not as stiff as we thought it would be.
1: This has been The Fade Route with d Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everyone.
0: Time for us to run the go-route, but we'll talk to you next week.